Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be looking at the 1999 direct-to-DVD film, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, although I do have some trivia for this episode, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film, although there aren't really songs in this episode. or in this movie, I should say. Uh, We will also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So decorate your tree, hang the stockings by the chimney with care, sit back and enjoy this episode. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is a 1999 direct-to-video Christmas anthology film featuring three segments, including Donald Duck and his nephews in Stuck on Christmas, Goofy and Max Goof in A Very Goofy Christmas, and Mickey and Minnie Mouse in Gift of the Magi. The stories are introduced by narrator Kelsey Grammer. The film is directed by June Finkelstein, Alex Mann, Toby Shelton, Bradley Raymond, and Bill Spears. The film is produced by Sherry Stringfellow. It was written by Charlie Cohen, Scott Gordon, Richard Cray, Tom Nance, Temple Matthews, Carter Crocker, Alex Mann, Thomas Hart, and Eddie Gazellian. The music is by Dominic Certo, and the production company was Walt Disney Television Animation, and it was distributed by Walt Disney Home Video. It was released November 9th, 1999, and has a runtime of 66 minutes. I have the cast list here. Do you think I should read that off? I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I feel like it's one of those where we'll probably see these names again at some other point because mostly these characters are played by the same people again and again. The only two names that I really recognize, like these are, when you're you're the voice of Mickey, you're the voice of Mickey for a while and, and everything. Uh, the only two names that really stand out are previously mentioned. Kelsey Grammer plays the voice or is the narrator of the mm-hmm. segment segments. And obviously Jim Cummings, like everyone, as soon as they see Jim, Jim Cummings voice, they know who he is. You know, everyone else is who they are. Like I said, I- everyone else is, if you're Mickey Mouse, you're Mickey Mouse for a while. Like Brett mm-hmm. Iwan is the current Mickey Mouse. So. The the only interesting thing in here is that there are actually two voice actresses to, that play Daisy Duck. Tress McNeil plays Daisy and Duck. And Michelle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the Stuck on Christmas and the finale. And then Diane Michelle plays Daisy Duck in the Gift of the Magi segment. And I don't know why they had two different voice actresses for Daisy Duck. Maybe Tress was unavailable on that day or something. And Like, I... were these, pre- like, this movie was just made on its own, right? Like, this isn't, mm. like, some weird, like, these were Christmas specials and they decided to put them together at some point, right? No, like... it, it was made all okay. together, yeah. But, yeah, that 
that's just I, maybe she just had laryngitis or something and couldn't record maybe. the lines because Daisy only has one or two lines in the Gift of the Magi segment. Yeah. So, but let's let's move on. Obviously, the film has no box office numbers as it was a direct to DVD release. And sadly, I couldn't find the budget in my research for the film, but the film won the award for best animated feature film at the fifth Ketzmert Animation Film Festival in 1999. And Interesting. Yes. And a sequel titled Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas was released in 2004. And both films were released in a two movie collection Blu-ray and DVD on November 4th, 2014. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, let's dive right into it. Our first segment is called Donald and the Nephews in Stuck on Christmas. And the first story is based on Christmas Every Day by William Dean Howells. On Christmas morning, Donald's three nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, are excited because they get lots of presents, but Donald is angered after after he sees them opening them before the rest of the family arrives. Even so, Donald shrugs it off and surprises his nephews with three sleds from him. But unfortunately, they miss the Christmas card Donald left on the sleds. When Daisy, Scrooge, and their Aunt Gertie come over for Christmas, the boys rush past them to go out and enjoy their new sleds. When Daisy calls the boys for dinner, they rudely eat their food by wolfing their food down and burping a lot. When Scrooge asks everyone to sing carols, the boys decide to play with their toys rather than participating. At bedtime, the boys are sad because Christmas is over, so they make a wish upon a star in the sky so it could be Christmas every day. And my first note here, I happen to notice that they use that same uh, line that Geppetto uses when he wishes yeah, upon the star. They did. Mm. Also, I'd like to note that it was the blue star. We do kind of see like a blue star at the beginning kind of mm -hmm. travel over. So we know there's a blue star involved. Yeah. The, this so the whole, implication is that it's the blue fairy. But. This whole film, not just this segment, but this whole film kind of has a couple winks and nods to other Disney properties in it, at least that I picked up on. Yeah. We see when the boys wake up the next morning, they find that their wish has come true, and it is now Christmas every day. The boys initially enjoy this, but as the days turn to weeks, they soon grow bored and out of the spirit, to the point where they almost go insane with experiencing the same events every day. They then decide to change the day with pranks to lighten things up, including swapping a live turkey with a cooked one. I actually enjoyed uh, that little bit because we saw the tur the live turkey throughout the segment. Yeah. And uh, then they, they switch it out with the cooked one that Daisy had prepared. Unfortunately, this day turns out to be the worst day possible for Christmas. After learning how hard their family has tried to make Christmas better from the aftermath of the destruction of the decorations and the letter Donald and Daisy wrote for them, the boys feel guilty for their pranks. They decide to make amends and make the next day the best Christmas day ever. They switch the turkey with the ham and give Aunt Gertie exclusive kisses, but Donald was suspicious of all their sudden good deeds. When he confronts his nephews about it, he finds out that they had built a boat made from their sleds just for him. Donald was grateful for the boys having done that for him, and soon after, the family shared a group hug while singing a Christmas carol in front of the tree. 
The next day, the boys wake up, happy to find out that Christmas has finally ended. They then use the boat they made to go sledding with Donald, but they accidentally push Donald too much, which causes the boat to fall apart and have Donald fly straight into a snowman. In the end, the narrator explains that even though Christmas can't always be here, the feeling it gives us can always be here. So I didn't write down a score for this individual segment. I actually thought that it was the weakest of the three, but it was still good. But it was interesting because the animation style was a little jarring to me at first. Uh, Yeah. it, It looked a little different than what I'm used to seeing you know, Donald and, and the, his three nephews animated like, but uh, it was, it was still good. I would probably give this segment, I don't know, a six and a half out of 10, maybe a seven out of 10. Yeah. I gave it a six out of 10. Like, I think this segment is pretty funny. Like it's a good segment, but mm. I think the other segments are definitely better and a little bit more wholesome in what they're trying to do for Christmas, you know? Agreed. It's more as just to be like, oh, we got the spoiled boys and, They want Christmas every day. And look, it didn't go well. Mm. It actually reminded me of Groundhog Day. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but... Yes, it is very Groundhog Day. So let's move into our next segment. And it's called Goofy and Max in a Very Goofy Christmas. Goofy and Max are writing their letter to Santa Claus. They finish it and rush off after the mailman, chasing down his truck on Max's bike and taking a shortcut through the mall. After Goofy accidentally loses the letter in the mall, he stays behind to retrieve it while Max goes after the mailman. Once Goofy gets the letter back, he manages to catch uh, back up to Max and the mailman just in the nick of time. In classic Goofy fashion, he uh, falls through the mailman's roof of his car. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, back at home, Max reveals to his dad that he wants a snowboard for Christmas and hopes that Santa will bring it but their neighbor Pete insists that Santa does not exist. Goofy tells Max that Santa does exist and that he should never stop believing in him. That evening, Goofy and Max go next door to the Andersons, a less fortunate family, to give them a Christmas dinner. Goofy then dresses up as Santa to impress the kids, but one of the family's kids pulls on his hat and exposes him. This upsets Max, making him think that his dad was lying to him about Santa, and he runs home in tears. I do want to say here, like, how kind is Goofy as a person to go next door to his like, neighbors and, like, bring all these food and toys? And the less fortunate kids even mention, they're like, oh, of course there's a Santa. He comes every year, which makes me even more like, does Goofy just leave Max behind usually? Mm. Like, I'm confused because the kids are like, what do you mean? He's always here. Like, Goofy clearly does this quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, Max doesn't seem to be aware. You know, I um, I have two little stories to tell about that. One, when I used to work for a different company, at Christmas time, they had an employee dress up as Santa Claus for, like, when little kids would come shopping in the store. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, uh, I was about... 270, 280. So it was defaulted to me to be dressed up as Santa Claus. And I found out very quickly that most children are terrified of Santa Claus. Um, They do not want to be anywhere near him. Some would come running up and give me a hug, but most of them were very terrified. And I thought about, and I said, yeah, you know, 
you're told about this man who's always watching you and then you see him in person right in front of you, it's got to be the most terrifying experience you could have. You know what it is too, is I think some Tanners are just like very creepy looking and sometimes the costumes do not give off good vibes. Like I didn't really like Santa. I was terrified of Easter Bunny now. Mm. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Well, I I believe I loved them all. I don't remember exactly, but I I believe I loved them all. But it, it was a terrible costume. It was a very cheaply made costume. And I made the mistake of uh, trying to wash it because it was, you would get very sweaty wearing the costume. Yeah. And after I washed it, the red parts died, the white parts pink. So I would just say that I was breast cancer awareness Santa after that. Oh um, my God. And the second, the second story was when I was younger and in very good shape, a friend of mine uh, asked me to dress up as Spider-Man for their younger brother's birthday party, which I did. And all the kids loved Spider-Man. They thought he was the coolest. The parents were a little antagonistic. They were like, oh, Spider-Man, climb up the house. Like, go th-. And I was like, nope, like X day on the, on, on the climbing up the house. Nay. You like- know, this is, this is why I like going to like Disney because A, the characters have to stay in character, but B, most people don't give the characters a hard time because it's like, no, you're in Disney. Yeah. Leave them alone. Their exactly. job is to literally pretend they are this person. Exactly. <laughs> But so those are my two little stories about dressing up as other characters and uh, the reaction that children would have to them. But diving back into the plot, Goofy tries to prove to Max that Santa Claus really does exist by staying up late and watching for Santa. After a few hours of waiting, Goofy sees someone coming out of the chimney of Pete's roof, but it turns out to be a burglar robbing Pete's house which the cops were right on that. Like, it must have been a sting operation. <laughs> they were they were ready for that yeah. guy. Goofy then falls off the roof and goes into a deep depression, now believing that everything Max said was true. Max eventually cheers up his dad by dressing as Santa Claus himself. After Goofy finds out it's actually Max, they look up to the sky and see the real Santa Claus, who gives Max the snowboard he wanted and then blows the snow from Goofy's house onto onto Pete's house to teach him a lesson. Max then tells his dad that he is going to share his present with Jimmy, the poor kid next door. The narrator explains that Christmas is found in the way that we live by, not what we receive, but by what we give. And again, I forgot to give it a score, but I I liked this segment. I'd say seven and a half, eight out of 10, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I... I said nine out of ten. Wholesome mm-hmm. and honestly, anything with Max Goof is perfection because we do not get a lot of Max in almost everything. Yeah, that's not specifically Goofy movies. So right. like seeing him in things like this, it's like ah oh, yes, we remembered Max exists. Yeah, you you mentioned to me off camera that it's popular with people because of Max Goof, and I I would agree. I have similar feelings about Max Goof. Anytime I see him pop up, I'm like, there you go. You know. Raise it up a little. You can't not be excited when you see him. Like he's a great character, and I think it gives more depth to like <clears throat> Goofy as a character too. Considering like you have Daisy and Donald and their relationship and their dynamic, and then you and Donald has so many family members, mm-hmm. and then you have Mickey and Minnie who are their dynamic, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of have Goofy who's usually alone in a lot of things. Right. 
but let's move on to our final segment, or at least our final full story segment, I should say. Mickey and Minnie's Gift of the Magi. It is Christmas Eve, and Mickey wants to give Minnie a chain for her watch, while Minnie wants to get Mickey a case for his harmonica, but neither of them have any money. Mickey is working at Crazy Pete's tree lot and makes a lot of money for his... Con- oh, I forgot to mention... Well, I'll save it for the trivia because there's something about Pete that I want to discuss. And when we get into the trivia, I'll bring it up then. Alrighty. All right. So Mickey is working at Crazy Pete's tree lot and makes a lot of money for his kindness and helping people. But when he suggests to a poor family to buy a small Christmas tree that he found out back instead of one of Pete's 10 foot Christmas trees, Pete takes away the money he has earned and kicks him out. Then Pete accidentally puts his still-lit cigar in his pocket with Mickey's money without noticing, which eventually sets him and his trees on fire. This also destroys his chance to sell his expensive 10-footers as well. Meanwhile, Minnie is working in the gift wrapping department at Mortimer's department store, hoping that her Christmas bonus from her boss, Mortimer Mouse, will be enough to pay for Mickey's present. Unfortunately, her Christmas bonus is nothing but a fruitcake. Mickey. Pl- I do love seeing Mortimer, by the way. Yeah, it was. We mentioned again another character we don't get a lot, especially because mm-hmm. like Mortimer has his place in Mickey and Minnie's long-term history. So it's very interesting when he is shows up for things. Yeah, he's the evil mouse. So yeah. it's interesting too. I think I have this in my trivia, and I'm sure you know this as well, but. Uh, for those who may not know, Mortimer was the original name that Walt Disney wanted to give Mickey Mouse, but his wife told him not to do that because it's an evil name. And so she suggested Mickey instead. So when he later created an evil mouse, it was Mortimer. So yeah. I think Walt Disney's wife was right about that. Not that Mortimer is necessarily an evil name if we have any more. I just can't listeners. imagine being like, can't wait to go see Mortimer Mouse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mickey has transcended as a name where I don't think Mortimer would be like, Mortimer doesn't sound like the icon of a company. Well, not not only that, but uh, like if Disney is for children, like, could you imagine little kids being like saying like, like, no, they're not going to say Mortimer. Mickey's very easy. Mickey is very easy. So Mickey plays his harmonica for a charity toy, toy drive and is told his harmonica plays so great that it must be worth lots of money. Mickey gets the idea to trade his harmonica for the chain, so he and Pluto rush off to the store. Later, at Minnie's house, Mickey gives Pluto a bone for Christmas, and Minnie gives her cat Figaro, which it was great to see Figaro again, a ball of yarn. Mickey and Minnie then give their presents to each other. Minnie's present to Mickey is a case for his harmonica and Mickey's present to Minnie is a chain for her watch. Both of them reveal that they gave up what meant the most to them to buy each other a present for Christmas. And the narrator explains that giving a present from the heart is cherished forever, and that a present is best when love is given. I mean, Uh, he ain't wrong. Yeah. And this is obviously, I mean, it's it's in the title. It's based on the gift of the Magi. Uh, I think it's done actually better than the original story the gift of the magic yeah it is a very good mm-hmm. rendition of it mm-hmm. uh, i always had a problem with with that story because 
the husband gives up his watch to buy his wife combs for her, her hair or whatever it was something for her hair and she yeah. cuts her hair to buy a chain for his watch and I was always like but her hair is gonna grow back so only really one of them lost out here yeah that's true yeah but this this is a much better rendition in my opinion so I I would give this segment an eight eight point five out of ten yeah I gave it an eight out of ten myself okay and that leads us into the epilogue which is just a little tiny segment as the movie comes to a closing we see Mickey Minnie Pluto Goofy, Max, Donald, Daisy, Huey, Dewey, and Louie joining each other in the streets outside. And somehow this is taking place in the early 19th century, singing a melody consisting of jingle bells, deck the halls, and we wish you a Merry Christmas and wishing the audience happy holidays. And I, I you like- know, They had to bring everybody together at the end. Yeah. And I like this little part. I liked all their outfits. Like it said, it takes place in the early 19th century. That's not just because of the outfits, but there's also oil lamps yes. in the streets. Yes. So it's not like they just dressed up in modern day. It is the early 19th century that they're in somehow. I liked all their outfits, except for uh, it bothered me that Donald had a Santa hat on. Like I was like, everyone else looks like they're in the 19th century, but because of his Santa hat, he looks out of place. Yeah, that's true. Mm. As I said before, there's not really songs in this film. There is at the end when they all sing together, but I have some trivia here inst instead. Um, Alrighty, bring it on. Yep. So chronologically speaking, the first segment for this movie, Stuck on Christmas, serves as a functioning prequel to the 1987 DuckTales animated series. In this segment, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are depicted as children who live with their uncle Donald, which was their status quo prior to the first episode of DuckTales, in which the boys are sent to live with their great uncle uh, Scrooge McDuck after Donald joins the Navy. What's more, Stuck on Christmas also presents Donald as having dreams and aspirations of sailing on the high seas, which is what he wants to do upon joining the Navy at the beginning of DuckTales. Furthermore, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are presented as far more rambunctious and troublesome than they ever were in DuckTales, but by the end of Stuck on Christmas, they reform themselves to behave more civilly, further matching up with how they act in DuckTales. Somebody needs to go watch the newer DuckTales because I, they were bambunctious and crazy in that one. Uh, well, it's probably more geared towards children, and I'm just impressed with myself for saying DuckTales that many times without going, a woohoo, uh, <laughs> I didn't think that was physically possible for me to do. Um, but mean, meanwhile, the second segment, A Very Goofy Christmas, is definitely a prequel to A Goof Troop, the animated TV series, and its two feature films, A Goofy Movie and An Extremely Goofy Movie. In this segment, Goofy lives in a suburban house as a single father to his son, Max, and both of them live next door to Pete. This is the very same status quo of Goofy, Max, and Pete as seen in Goof Troop. Max is also depicted as a child at a much younger age than he was in Goof Troop for the purposes of telling the story that this short wanted to tell of Max questioning his, belief, his beliefs in the existence of Santa, which is much more a thing of a younger, younger children to do rather than older children. And as a bonus piece of continuity, 
the special also introduces a teddy bear of Max's named Old Stuff Bear, which would go on to make a second appearance in an extremely goofy movie in the very next year after the special's release. Do you remember Old Stuff Bear in an extremely goofy movie? So. Mm-hmm. There are some things in here that I have in my notes about how it also has errors that it wouldn't necessarily be a prequel to a goof, uh, the goof troop or the, yeah. the movies, but um, mostly it has to do with the fact that Goofy and Max in the first episode of Goof Troop are living in a trailer and they leave that town and move to another, a different town and the town that they live up, that they end up in, Spoonerville, I think is the name of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up living next to Pete there. However, I noticed in this segment, in this segment particular, the uh, goofy segment, the Pete that we see is gray in color. Like he's drawn to, like his coloring is gray. And then yeah. the Pete that we see in the Mickey segment is black in color. So I think it's possible that it's two different Pete's. Like they're both named Pete. They both yeah. sound ex- exactly the same, but I think it could be two different Pete's. Yeah. Just because of the coloring. And let's see, I have a few other notes here. One of Goofy's tree ornaments resembles Angelique from Beauty and the Beast and Enchanted Christmas or the Enchanted Christmas. Um, okay. In the Gift of the Magi segment, Mickey performs one of his dance moves from Mickey's birthday party. Also, in that segment, another callback I noticed was he did that little dance that, um, what's his name? Dopey does when uh, all the dwarves are dancing and singing and Snow White and the yeah. Seven Dwarves he even has his tongue sticking out the same way. Yeah. The cover art for the home release video was done by Rick Law. However, Despite Mickey's appearance on the cover, he is never seen in his iconic red shorts and yellow shoes in the movie. Scenes from this movie were used for the 2002 version of Very Merry Christmas Songs. Huey tearing off the calendar page was reused for the Toon Disney Weekday Bonus Stacks promo. Interesting. Yeah. Ironically, ducks eating turkey is considered cannibalism. As it should be, yeah, Donald. Yeah, that was, it, it, I was like, oh, this further compounds that whole Pluto's a dog and Goofy's a dog. How are there dogs that are intelligent and walk upright, but also like, it was, you know, they're, they're ducks, they're birds that are eating a turkey, another bird. Um, and my final trivia note here is that this is the only post-Goof Troop project where someone else besides Jason Marston voices max due to him being a much younger child in this film that makes sense yeah that does make a lot of sense and i'm going to go into my overall score i wrote that it is a very cute movie i enjoyed each different segment and especially enjoyed the finale of all the characters singing the animation was different than what i expected though it was done very well I think the Mickey and Minnie segment was the strongest and the Donald and his nephews was the weakest, but still enjoyed it. Overall, I give the movie a seven out of 10. I would recommend it to anyone with small children for them to watch during the holiday season. I gave it an eight out of 10. I think, you know, I love how all the characters come together. I think it's a good classic kind of thing. Like this is something you could watch whenever and it does hold up for the most part. 
And, you know, I think it's a good classic that involves the sensational six. And if I need to explain the sensational six, I will. That is Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto. Okay. Well, thank you. Because I thought of the Spider-Man villains. That is the sensational six. That is what they refer to them as when they have all six of them. And if it's just the five, aka all the minus Pluto, it's the fab five. Okay. Very good. Because the Spider-Man villains are the sinister six. So oh. it's good to know that. Anything else? Random like- fact for you today. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to know about the segment or to say about the film or should we? No, I feel like there's like, this is a very straightforward film. Like it's your typical, it is a bunch of packaged little shorts kind of together, but mm-hmm. not nearly as bad as some of the packaged things we were watching. So yeah, it's, it's much better in its theming, obviously, because all of them are themed around Christmas. I think packaged films work better for Christmas things. Mm. Like even, even like the Charlie Brown Christmas stuff is usually packaged together. Right. All right. Well, then let's go into the outro. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, once again, pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash once again, pod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Mm-hmm.